one comes to the Father but through him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Amen. Let's pray together and I'm going to ask you to repeat of me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. I ask that your word would be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and really see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about when, when everything's against you. And um, we, we spoke earlier, Vic spoke earlier about the special offering. And giving in the special offering, you win when everything's against you. Everything's been against us this year totally in terms of the church. I was sharing with my 12 this morning that, and, and uh, Pastor Shane, he knows because he's on the board, that every month, you know, we would have, like I remember we had Pastor Pearson Pretorius, Pastor Birdson coming in July. And I think it was the 22nd of July. Now, it was supposed to come earlier than that. I think it was in April. Was it April? And then he had COVID, so he couldn't come. So it was postponed till July. And I was relieved it was in April because I thought, we've got the building till end of April. Then he had COVID. So I thought, oh, when he comes, we may not have the building. And then the 2nd of July, I realized, no, we're still going to be in the building on the 22nd of July. So I was relieved. But every single month, it's like we weren't going to be here. And what I want you to realize is that we're still here. Amen? We're still here. There are some people walking around today that are still here, meaning they're still alive because the Lord is good. Amen? And so we should give the Lord the biggest shout of praise and we should show it. Just wait, just wait. Okay, go for it. Amen? And we should show it by what we give in the special offering, but also we should be believing God. We should be believing God that we're going to win when everything is against us. Okay, many people are realizing now that in life everything is against you. In many instances, even your government is against you. And obviously most times in, throughout history, your government is going to be against you. Because who is it that wants power? The people that want power are the evil people. Evil people go after power. So throughout history, very often, the leaders of nations are evil people. So that's just the reality of life. And it was the same when Jesus was on the earth. And the, the reason why this happens, we spoke last week about the fact is rebellion is the cause of every problem that we have. Last week we read Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror to those who do right. 
but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. Now, often we'd like to say, yeah, but, but what about if the authorities are evil? The authorities are almost always evil. It's very seldom throughout the history of man that good authorities have been in charge. When Jesus was on the earth, the authority over the people of God was the Roman Empire. They were evil. They worshipped a God. Basically, they were actually worshipping Satan himself. If you go and you study who they worshipped, they were worshipping Satan himself. And the apostle Paul was killed by that Roman government. He said this writing to the Romans who were governed by the very government that would put him to death in the future. And God had revealed this to him. When he wrote this, he already knew this was going to happen to him. Now we, 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 we also look, looking today and we, we're moving on in the series, rebellion is the cause of the death of our spirits. Rebellion is the cause of the death of our spirits. And I, I want to go on in Romans 13 verse 4 and 5. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. And this is something that's very popular in South Africa, isn't it? We love government in South Africa, don't we? First we had the apartheid regime. Then we had the corrupt regime. Both of them were corrupt, by the way. Huh? So we really like government here. We really believe government in this country. We really listen. No, we don't. So this is a huge challenge for us. These passages are a huge challenge for us, the same as they would have been a challenge for the Jews when Jesus said to, to, to the Jews, when they asked, who should they pay taxes to? Should they pay the temple tax or should they pay to Caesar, who was the oppressor? And Jesus said, give to God what belongs to God and give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And so in verse 4 and 5, it says this, For the one authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Rulers do not have power. The government doesn't have the power of the state for no reason. And then, and then Paul says this, they are God's servants. If you type up Ramaphosa on Twitter, right now, people are not talking like he's God's servant. And just before you move on with that thought, I don't vote ANC. But President Sora Ramaphosa is God's servant. Ah, what about Pala Pala? What about it? He's still God's servant. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And then it goes on and says this. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, the mask mandates that we had going, you do realize we couldn't go to the shops until June without masks. I think we've forgotten it. Amen. Hallelujah. We can go into the shops without masks. And, and I had a big crisis in my heart, but eventually I gave up fighting. When we would come into church uh, and no one was wearing masks. Because 
the mask mandate didn't do anything in terms of people's health. But to wear a surgical mask is not against any scripture. And so now when the government's telling you to do something that doesn't go against scripture, but it doesn't make sense, they are God's servants. And when you start to think about that, you come to the realization that there's a statement that I, that I often make to people that when you get saved, understand everything you know is wrong. There's nothing that you know that isn't wrong when you get saved. Everything is wrong. Jesus didn't come to establish a kingdom on this earth. If he had, he would have chucked the Roman Empire out. Angels from heaven would have come. They would have zapped him with fire. They would have come in a time when they only had swords and knives and things. And they would have zapped him with laser guns. They would have done all sorts of things to the Romans. And they would have kicked Caesar right out of there. And in fact, the disciples were Jews. They knew about the prophecies of the Messiah. And that is what they were expecting. They were expecting that the Messiah would come and he would kick the Roman Caesar out of Israel. And set up a kingdom that would stand forever. Now, Jesus did come and set up a kingdom that will stand forever. A kingdom that will never be overcome. But it wasn't an earthly kingdom. When he comes the second time, there will be an earthly kingdom. He came to set up a kingdom in the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is the, is the source of everything that exists on the earth today. Your whole life you have grown up with education systems, with social media systems, with media systems, with friendship systems, with all sorts of systems that have told you that everything that you have and everything you have access to is on the earth. If you don't get it on the earth, you're never going to have it. And the reason why everything you know is wrong is because you do not understand the spiritual kingdom, the heavenly kingdom that Jesus came to give us. And when you give your life to Jesus, you do not understand the fact that in the book of Ephesians, it states that the moment you give your life to Jesus, your spirit is seated in heaven. You are living in eternity already. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you already exist in eternity and your spirit is there and it's never going to leave there. And the reason you can talk to God in the name of Jesus is because your spirit is there by the throne room of God right now. And you know what? The gospel is the only message on the face of the planet that tells you the moment you give your life to Jesus, your spirit is completely renewed. Your spirit is completely brought back to life. And you can, in, your spirit can literally right now walk into the throne room of God and start conversing with God the Father. Muslims do not have that option, yet they are able to go and evangelize people to their cause. The Muslim teaches, yes, you need to submit to Allah, all of this kind of stuff, but guess what? None of your prayers will ever be heard. And by the way, you can live your whole life as a perfect Muslim, 
and you can die and Allah can cast you into hell because he has the right to do so. Even Muhammad wasn't guaranteed heaven. Islam teaches you that Muhammad, that Jesus is a great prophet, but Muhammad was greater than him. Yet the Quran says that Jesus went to heaven, but Muhammad didn't have the guarantee of heaven. Let me tell you, Islamic thinking has affected your thinking. There are many things that are believed in society today that are influenced by Islam. And why is it that you can be so deceived? Because the result of man's rebellion was that the spirit died. Your spirit died the day Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. Your spirit was dead. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, as we're in this service today, then right now your spirit is dead. And the reason why you cannot access God is because your spirit is dead. And Jesus said, when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman in the Gospel of John, he said, the worshippers God is looking for are the worshippers that worship him in spirit and in truth. You have to worship God in spirit. You have to pray to God in spirit. You have to connect with him in spirit or you cannot connect with him at all. And if your spirit is dead, you cannot speak to God. This fact is really implicit in the words that are in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 where the Lord is giving Adam directions and he, and he says this, you, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So I want you to notice that God said to Adam, do not eat the fruit of that tree for if you eat the fruit of that tree in that day, you will, will certainly die. In that day, you will certainly die. So Adam goes in the garden, he eats the fruit, and that day he didn't physically die. It wasn't his body that died that day. And this is what I want you to understand. But his spirit died that day. The moment his teeth bit into that fruit, the moment he chewed it in his mouth, and the moment it went down his throat, into his stomach, his spirit died. His disobedience cut him off from the only source of inner life. The very being and person of God. And in that moment he was alienated and cut off from God. You want to know why the world is such a mess? You want to know why we have to go to funerals? We have to go to funerals because mankind has been cut off from the inner source of life that was placed inside of him the day God created Adam. That source has been cut off and mankind has been cut off from God. The Bible states this very clearly in Isaiah 59 verse 2. Your iniquities or your rebellions have separated you from God. The word iniquity is talking about your rebellion. It's not just the stuff you do wrong. It's your rebellion against God. It's your shaking your fist at God. It's your saying, I want to do my own thing. I want to follow my own way. I want to go to my own place. When it's separated from God, your spirit dies. And Paul wrote to Christians about their condition 
before they turned back to the Lord. He said this, listen to this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Listen, without Jesus, the problem is you are dead. The problem is not that you're doing bad stuff. The problem is not that you're naughty. The problem is not that people are going to look, oh, 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 oh. The problem is not that some goody two-shoes is going to come and look down at you and be some sort of a snob. That's not the problem. The problem is, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You were born as a son of disobedience. Whether you're a woman or a man, it doesn't matter. You are a son or a daughter of disobedience the moment you are born. And you are born, and from the moment you are born, your body is living, but you are dead in your trespasses and your sins. You are dead in your iniquities. You are dead in your rebellion against Almighty God. Let me tell you something. You know, the words that I hear most often from people who are Christians who start rebelling against God, they say, I'm numb. They say, I feel dead on the inside. And you feel numb and you feel dead on the inside because you are. The root of the problem. All of this deadness, all of these ways in which you formerly were, walked. The course of this world, which is ruled by the prince of the power of the air, and the prince of the power of the air is the devil. And how do you receive all your media? You receive it through the airways. Even on your social media, many times you receive it through Wi-Fi, 3G, 4G, 5G, 6G. You must go look up 6G, 7G, 8G, what all that stuff means. It'll freak you out. You're going to become the internet. You now say, I've got an iPhone 13. Ah, look at my iPhone no, no wonder you're going to be the iPhone. It's our phone. That's what they've planned. They're going to stick it inside of you. They're going to stick it in your brain. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. And this stuff gets transmitted to you through the air. And unless, unless it is sanctified with the word of God, unless it is sanctified with the blood of Jesus, it is part of your corruption. It is part of your deception. As a result of the disobedience and turning away from God, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're not physically dead, but spiritually we are stone dead because we are cut off from the life of God. On New Year's Eve, a lot of people are going to have parties. And remember last year, they opened us up for New Year's, if you remember. You couldn't remember there was a curfew. And then just before New Year's Eve, the president said, okay, you can go out. Am I right, Musa? Drinking alcohol, taking codeine when you're not sick with Coca-Cola, orca pop with other stuff in it, which some people call hubbly bubbly, and then you just bubbled into the new year. You understand what I'm saying? And you thought it was so cool, and you thought it was so fantastic, and it's so awesome, and you felt so free until you woke up on the first. And then you felt dead on the inside. And 
Paul speaking about people that do not know Jesus. He says this in, in Ephesians 4 verse 18. They, the Gentiles, are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. What he's saying is every person that doesn't know Jesus, their hearts are hard and they are darkened in their understanding. So that's like you're coming into this room. Imagine now it's in the middle of the night. It's pitch black. You've never been in here before and you walk into this room and, and there's no light. And then I say, I'm giving you 10 minutes and then I want you to draw a perfect sketch of the layout of this room. And then you're going to come and you're going to do some feeling and then you're going to draw and you're going to be convinced your way is right. But you don't know what you're talking about because you're darkening your understanding because you're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in you due to the hardening of your heart. If you don't know Jesus, that, that's what Paul's saying you are. And I want you to think about these four words that are used here. This is the description of every person who doesn't know Jesus. Darkened. Separated. Ignorant. In other words, you don't actually know what you're talking about. And hardened. You're hard. Have you noticed how hard people are? People in this country are very friendly, but they're very hard. Why are they very hard? Many of them will say it's because they've been through so much pain in their lives. And that's true. A, a lot of the hardness comes out of hurt, and they've hardened their heart to protect themselves. But here's the issue. <clears throat> you harden your heart because you think you're better off, because you're darkened in your understanding. And that describes the spiritual condition of man in his rebellion. Spiritually dead. Spiritually you're dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. And dead as a result of disobedience or rebellion. So rebellion caused your spirit to be dead. And the second result of man's rebellion, it corrupted his personality, the soul. Your personality exists in your soul. And the rebellion and the sin and all of this stuff, which by the way started with Adam. Stop blaming your parents for the things, because your parents inherited it too. You inherited it all back to Adam. Every single generation inherits us. This is why we needed Jesus to come and save us. To save us from that which we were destined to be from the moment we were conceived. I want to describe it this way. An inner force of rebellion became resident inside the soul of people. Inside the soul of humanity. Inside the soul of every single human being. Or perhaps you could say it this way. Mankind's soul became infected with rebellion. The same way some of the people who came up were physically sick they're physically sick because their body is infected with some sort of microbe or some sort of thing that is making them ill. Every person's soul is infected with rebellion. And the result of this is what we see in the world today. That every single succeeding generation... is tempted. But now if you look at Adam, 
Adam was in the garden. There was no temptation that came from inside him. The serpent had to speak to him from the outside. The servant had to speak to Eve from the outside. But from that time, every succeeding generation does not just need to be tempted from the outside because the temptation is within them. We were all born with that temptation on the inside of us. Because there's an inner force of rebellion that is latent in our souls. Sometimes we think we're doing well because that force of rebellion is just lying there latent. It's dormant. But it's still there. And it's still very much alive. We've already seen from Ephesians 2 verse 2. He speaks of the sons of disobedience. Those who were born out of a disobedient nature. And listen to these words from Ephesians 2 verse 3. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. By your very nature, you are a child of the wrath of God because of this thing that you inherited from Adam that is there in your soul. And the word says, all of us have rebellious and perverted desires. There are some things we're willing to admit. But there are other desires we are never willing to admit. We want it, but we know that it's oh so bad. And we don't want people to know that we have them. And so once man turned against God in rebellion, there was the potential of lust. And of perverted evil, a perverted evil desire inside his soul. And so from this time on, temptation could come from within. Now, what does the Bible say? And I want you to listen to me. That verse next, you need to listen now. James chapter 1, verse 14. Listen to what this says. But each one of us is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then in brackets, his own inner lust you know many times people when the temptation comes out Christians will say ah Satan caused me to do this no he didn't Satan might have brought some temptation on he can't he can't force you to do it he can't cause you to do it you wanted to do it I don't know what happened to me something just came over me when I had that effect you liar you thought they were hot. You thought they were drop-dead gorgeous. You thought they were better than the one you had. You thought you'd find happiness there that you don't have at home. You thought, ah, just this one time, I'll get away with it. Ah, just, just this one time, just, just this one time. No one will ever know. Ooh. No one will ever know. Ooh. That's what actually happened. That's what actually happened. And that's what the Bible says. This thing's inside you. And until you recognize it, you don't understand how much you need Jesus. You don't understand why it was so important for Jesus to die on the cross for us. You only understand that when you really understand where all of this stuff comes from. 
And what's the point of us keeping on shouting at the government? You know, even when I do the situation, the only reason I'm doing it <laughs> is to show people there's no hope here. This thing's not going to come right. The Bible tells us it's not going to come right. But within that, a mighty revival can take place. In that, the hearts of people can be changed. In that, people can experience the blessing of God even in such a sordid and a distraught world. In that, people can know that in death they can have victory. In that, people can know that all of their rebellion and all of their sin is sorted out. But it's only going to happen when people have Jesus. I want to tell you something and I want you to listen very carefully to me today. Many times people come and they have these plans to improve things and they have the best of intentions. They really, they start out with the best of intentions and what happens after a while, it starts to go sideways and it starts to go corrupt. Why is that? Because all of us, we are corrupt. And sometimes it doesn't work out because of the corruption that is all around us in the world and even though we had the right intention, we made mistakes. And the only hope is that someone was born after Adam that didn't have that rebellious nature. In Revelation 5 verse 12, it says this, In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Jesus came as the worthy lamb. And now listen to me. I want you to look at me. I want you to hear. It's very important that you hear this. In so many cultures, there's a sense there has to be a sacrifice to make right for the sin. We all know this. <clears throat> and this even exists in our judicial system. If someone commits a crime, they should go to jail or they should get the death penalty or whatever we think, whatever we believe. But there's a sense that justice has to be done. If someone killed my brother, then I'm going to kill them to bring justice. And it's a sacrifice. And some people in some churches even come and they'll give a whole lot of money in the church. And you know why they'll give a whole lot of money in the church? They give a whole lot of money in the church because... It's a sacrifice to, to, to pay for their sin. And here's the thing. There is no sacrifice that can pay for your sin. Because you're not worthy to make the sacrifice. There's no one that's worthy to make the sacrifice. So the question is, why was Jesus worthy? Jesus was worthy because he was willing to go to the cross willingly. And it may be that the Father said these words to you. Because you have done this, because you have shed your pure blood, pure because you walked in righteousness and holiness when you walked on the earth. But because you've done this, the earth will be blessed because of you. The earth will be blessed because of you. When Adam died and his blood went to the ground, it was tainted blood. When Adam sinned, the ground, the very ground that we walk on was cursed. Our money is cursed. The work of our hands is cursed. Everything is cursed. 
That's why there's so many problems in the world. But Jesus came and He shed His blood. He came as the Lamb. There is no more sacrifice. Everyone wants to make a sacrifice. They want to make a sacrifice in the courts. They want to make a a religious sacrifice. People want to make all sorts of sacrifices. Some people in, in modern day times, in order to show that they love someone romantically, they want to cut their their vein and let their blood come out to show how much they love us. I'm sorry, how much we love them. I remember it was quite a thing a few years ago. Like the one song, I keep bleeding. I keep, keep. So in other words, if I love you, I'm bleeding for you. I cut myself and I bleed. That's how much I love you. I'm bleeding. I mean, if my wife bleeds, it doesn't help me. Now I have to take her to hospital. Cost me money. Her blood's useless to me. I didn't marry her for her blood. Give me your blood. <laughs> that's how the world is. There's no other blood that's worthy. And what was the lamb who was slain worthy of? If you go and you really study things and you start studying the word, you will see the things that Jesus conquered with his blood. They, rep- they represent every sphere of society. Jesus conquered conquered every sphere of the world he conquered the sphere of power of wealth of wisdom of strength of honor of glory and of praise he conquered it and in john chapter 15 verse 7 he said he said this if you are in me and i in you in other words if you know me and i know you and you know my will and you want what I want, and you want my will. Then you're going to start praying and asking me to do the things I want to do. And when you start praying and asking me the things I want to do, everything you ask for, you will see that prayer answered. But to get to that stage means you've got to lay something down, and you've got to say, Lord Jesus, I lay my will down, and I take on your will. That is why Jesus can solve the problem of rebellion that exists inside of every single one of us. He can solve that problem because in order to make Him our Lord, we've got to lay our will down and take on His will. I just want to say one thing to some of us. You're sitting here thinking, why would I want to take my will down and take on the will of Jesus? That's so boring. I'll remind you, everything you know is wrong. Let me tell you, when Musa's friends go out on New Year's Eve, Musa, why do they have to drink? Because it's boring. If you're sober, it's boring. You know when they have those things, New Year's Eve there, there at the market theater, and the oaks are all, and their eyes, you can see that it's not even just alcohol, it's all sorts of stuff. And then you look at the artists on stage and they're drunk and they sound terrible. On SABC, they sound terrible. And everyone's going, oh, this is so cool. No, no, it's not. It's actually terrible. It's boring. You have to get drunk because it's boring. If you have to get drunk, if you have to smoke weed, if you have to do whatever, it's because you're boring. All right? I'm telling you, and I want you to listen to what I'm telling you now. 
people have to drink or take drugs or take some other substance because life is boring and empty and cold. And it's a terrible place to be. And Jesus said, I came to give you real life. Not one where you have to cover up what's going on by getting sloshed or by getting high. And I want to warn all of you today that I've never seen the Bible proved wrong. And so when you think that the will of Jesus is boring, remember everything you know is wrong. Jesus is the exact opposite of boring. The more you get to know Jesus, the more exciting it gets.
is heaven.